Welcome to Victory Today. I'm so pleased that you've joined us because we're learning some incredible truths right now. If you missed last episode, can I encourage you, go back and catch up because we began talking about how to respond to the storms of life the Jesus way, okay? Man, we learned some critically important stuff last time about how to respond when an unexpected storm hits your life. I don't have time today to recap it all, but you can go back and listen to the last podcast and I know that it will help you. And if you've got people in your world who are facing some storms right now, and I know a lot of people are, can I please just encourage you to send them the link to this podcast, encourage them to get subscribed and listen. You know, there's only so much that we can do for someone who's facing opposition and storms in their lives. Think about that. We can be there for them. We can pray for them. We can do practical things to make it a little bit better. But friend, if you really want to help someone to to triumph over the storms of life, don't just make them a meal and walk the dog for them. Get them listening to something that's helpful. Get them listening to a faith-building message like this so that they get tools to overcoming what's pushing against them right now so that they get the tools to overcome and be victorious in this season rather than being taken out and going under. Amen? So come on, it's nice to do good things and we want to pray, yes, but... Let's share with them some tools through this simple podcast. That could be an incredible help to a friend. So I want you to think right now about someone that you could pass this podcast on to. Encourage them. Tell them it'll be good for you. Well, as I said, we've been talking over the past eight episodes about how to get victory over the storms of life. And we have learned some incredible things. You know, as I'm sharing this stuff with you, I'm like, man, I need to be reminded of that. These are things that you can put into practice today. If you're going through something right now, you can put this into practice or you can just keep it for the future when something comes against your life that you weren't expecting and you'll be able to apply it. But one thing that I would say, that we're not going to talk about it at length today, but, but it really is just so important. And that is how you respond when you first encounter a storm in your life sets the tone for everything that comes after. Okay. How you respond in that moment, how you respond, first of all, what you do when you first get that bad report. What you do when you first get hit with that thing. How you respond, friend, at the start will almost always set the tone for everything that follows. So if you allow yourself to be overcome by your feelings and you go to pieces and you allow fear to come in you and dread to come in you and panic to start to overwhelm you in waves, it is very hard to put a lid on all of that and get back into a place of peace and trust and faith and rest. Very, very hard. It's not impossible, but it is hard once you let the cat out of the bag, right? So I really do want to encourage you to purpose that anytime a storm hits your life, instead of freaking out, instead of letting go of your faith and yielding to the flesh and trying to solve everything without God and in your own strength, instead, you're going to get quiet, you're going to remind yourself of his promises, stir up your faith, open your mouth and speak to that thing, that, that mountain, that storm, that thing that's coming against you. You're going to speak to it in your authority as a child of the king. You're going to tell it to move in Jesus name and go throw itself into the sea. 
you resist the enemy, you refuse to accept his lies, you rebuke him in Jesus' name, and then you start acting on the word of God and confessing the word over your life or over your family or over your finances, and you refuse to be moved by what your senses are telling you. Amen? Now, I know that that's easier to say than to do. But hey, if we're going to be victorious over the storms of life, friends, we've got to be doers of the word and not just hearers only, right? I mean, we saw right at the beginning of this study that that was the issue for that guy who built his house upon the sand. Remember that? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 that he heard the word. He heard it the same as the other guy, but he didn't bother to do what it said. And as a result, he lost everything when the storms of life came. You know, these days, with all the technology we have at our fingertips, you and I, friend, have access 24-7 to the most amazing preachers and teaching from anointed pastors and leaders around the world, right? I don't need to tell you that. I mean, you don't need to go to Bible college today to learn a whole lot of great biblical principles. All you need is a mobile phone. We are spoiled in this generation with an abundance of great resources and teaching and seminars designed to build our faith and overcome obstacles. But I'm here to tell you that just listening to all of that won't help you. Amen? Just just hearing it won't make you victorious. No, you've got to do something with it. You've got to apply it to your life. Otherwise, it'll be nothing more than head knowledge and entertainment. But friend, I want more for you than that. I want you growing in your faith. I want you living in victory. Amen? So come on. What we're going to do today is we're going to revisit some of the key points from this series and make sure that we know, we know, we know how to triumph over the storms of life. So let's go back to our key text and remind ourselves of the account in Mark chapter 4 and verse 35. On the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. And we made the point that whenever God speaks to you and tells you to do something, when he said it and you heard it, the power is there for you to do it. Okay, the power that you need to achieve that thing, whatever it is that he says to you, the power you need to achieve it is resident in the words that he's spoken, because his words have enabling attached to them. That is such an important principle to understand. I want you to remember his commands are enablings. They are not just promises on a page of your Bible. His words, think of them like seeds that will produce every single time, as long as they're planted in good soil and they're looked after, they're tended. Amen? And so in this account in Mark chapter 4, there was power available to get them through whatever might oppose them along the way once he had told them to do it. And friend, the same is true for you. I'm saying today that you never need to be afraid of a storm that rises up in your life. You never need to be afraid of a storm. Why not? Because if God's promised you something in his word concerning it, 
What do you do? Well, you hold on to that word by faith. You act on it. You refuse to let it go. And you have every confidence that it will come to pass. Amen? It will. His commands are enablings. They contain everything you need to enjoy whatever it is that he's promised. And that's a good point to hold on to, to remember. His commands, when he speaks to us, contained in that is all that we need to see that thing come to pass. If we will believe it, receive it and act on it. Okay, let's read on. Mark chapter four says, Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with them. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling, but he was in the stern, asleep, on a pillow. Think about that. With the boat pitching and rocking and full of water, Jesus was snoozing. He was fast asleep in a hurricane. Well, what does that tell us? Was Jesus afraid of this storm? No, he wasn't. He was sleeping like a baby in the storm. Okay, so was he afraid of drowning? Was he afraid of sinking? Was he panicked in any way that they were not going to make it to the other side? No, not at all. He was totally unfazed by the wind and the waves. He was totally, completely calm. So calm that he was sleeping in the hold of the ship, which, as we said a few episodes ago, is the first part that's going to fill up with water when it starts coming in over the side, right? So no, Jesus was not afraid. Jesus was not unsettled. Jesus was unmoved. And friend, Jesus is your example. Amen? Added to that, he promises to be your Prince of Peace and to give you his supernatural peace that surpasses understanding so that you never need to be afraid again. I'm saying that you can have peace in the storm when you know that the Prince of Peace is with you in the boat. Now, this was a very real storm, okay? It came out of nowhere. It was violent. It was vicious. Remember, these guys were seasoned fishermen, okay? They had seen storms before, and this one absolutely terrified them. But not Jesus. Not Jesus. He just rolled over and enjoyed his rest, Well, the disciples, they couldn't handle that, right? They quickly became moved by what they could see and what they could hear and feel. And those thoughts of doom that were coming their way thick and fast started to overwhelm them. So what did they do? Well, the Bible says that they ran to the hold. They grabbed Jesus. They shook him roughly awake. And they said, teacher, don't you care that we're perishing? Don't you care? Are you really going to let us die? Are you really going to just let us drown while you snooze away? And we saw that as soon as you let go of your faith and you take back control, whenever you refuse to trust God in a difficult season and you start questioning his care for you, in that moment, friend, you also lose your peace. You lose your joy. You yield to fear and you start lashing out at the very ones who love you. And that is exactly what the disciples did. And so we said that it's essential that we get a revelation of the love of God which comes from time in his word and time worshiping him in his presence and submitting to the Holy Spirit and yielding our control over to him. We've got to get a revelation of the love of God. 
Why? Why do we need that? Because when we develop that, it will cause such a confidence to come on the inside, such an assurance of his care that, friend, we can face anything that this world throws at us, knowing that it's going to be all right, that he's given us all that we need to triumph over it, and that he will be right there with us every step of the way. Well, verse 39 says, Then he arose and he rebuked the wind. And we saw in the last episode that this wasn't prayer. Jesus didn't fall on his knees and pray, asking the Father to deal with the storm. No, he operated in his authority and he said to the sea, Peace, be still. That's not prayer either, right? You see, friend, this was not the time to pray. But I wonder how many Christians, when a storm comes smashing into their lives, they start begging God and going, oh God, please do something, do something. That's how most Christians respond, right? But if that was what we were meant to do in the face of a storm, Jesus would have been doing that, right? He would have been on his knees or on his face in the hold of the boat, crying out to the Father. I mean, don't you think we ought to be following Jesus' example? Don't misunderstand me now. There is a time to pray, but this is not the time to pray, okay? Like in this situation. Remember, we've already learned that the enemy was behind the storm. Amen? We already saw that the enemy is behind this storm. And friend, there's no place in the New Testament where you are told to pray and to ask God to deal with the devil for you. Let me say that again. There is no place, you won't find a place in the New Testament where you are told to pray and ask that God would deal with the devil for you. No, the Bible says in James chapter 4, verse 3, you rebuke the devil and he will flee from you. So when you identify that the one behind the storm that's coming against your life is the enemy, and he's trying to get you to fear. He's trying to get you to cast off your faith. That is not the time to pray. It's the time to say or to speak. Amen. It's the time when you need to stand in your authority as a child of God and in the name of Jesus, rebuke the enemy and tell him to go. What did Jesus do? Exactly that. He rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, peace, be still. Don't miss this, friends. He's not praying to the Father. He's speaking to the wind. He's speaking to the waves. And the Bible says as a result of that, there was a great calm. And then Jesus said to the disciples, verse 40, he said, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And I want you to recognize these are not rhetorical questions, okay? He, he expects an answer, not because he doesn't know the answer, but so that the disciples can get the answer, right? So they can have some light shed on what's going on and where they went wrong. And so he says to them, guys, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Well, they're good questions, right? And they're worth asking ourselves, the next time fear comes knocking on the door of our heart. Why is it that I'm so afraid? What, what am I actually afraid of? What's at the root of this fear? Why do I have no faith? You see, friend, at the heart of it, 
This was an issue of trust. This was all about trust. Because the disciples, they were unwilling to trust what Jesus had said. Remember, he said to them, we're going to the other side. But they were unwilling to trust that. And so they let go of their faith. They allowed their feelings, their thoughts, their senses to move them. And they yielded to the fear. But I want you to see today that whenever you do that, whenever you get back into the flesh and you yield to the fear, what you're doing is basically you're putting your trust now in yourself and you're putting your trust in the lies of the enemy rather than keeping your trust in the truth of what God has said. Jesus looked at the disciples and he said, why are you so full of fear and have no faith? And what was their response? Verse 41 says, and they feared exceedingly. You know, Jesus says, why are you so full of fear? Why do you have no faith? And they chose to fear even more. Well, did that please Jesus? No, not at all. Why not? Well, because we know without faith, it's impossible to please God, right? So what would the correct response have been? Friend, the correct response would have been something like, oh, we're sorry, Lord. We're so sorry for doubting you. We know better than this. Obviously, we should have trusted your word in the beginning rather than freaking out. We should have spoken to it ourselves and not bothered you. Lord, forgive us for questioning your love and doubting your care. In the future, we're going to trust you. We're not going to lean on our own understanding. We're not going to fall for the lies of the enemy. We're going to trust you. But rather than doing that, they ramp up the fear to a whole new level. And now they're not just afraid. Now they're fearing exceedingly. And so they say to themselves, what kind of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Friend, I want you to see where the disconnect is here. They are so focused on Jesus and what he did that they're not actually listening to what he's telling them. When he said, why are you so full of fear and why is it that you have no faith? He's trying to teach them some vital truths about getting victory over the storms of life. But they ignored what he said and they feared all the more. You know, when it comes to freedom from fear, refusing to be led by our senses, we need to be retrained. We need to have our minds renewed by the word of God. And that is because we've been trained, most of us, our entire lives to live according to our senses, to just yield to fear whenever it comes, to be the captain of our own lives rather than dying to self and living according to the word and the spirit and making Jesus the Lord of our lives. The sad reality is that most Christians today, just like the disciples in Mark chapter 4, yield to fear, yield to doubt and unbelief, and try and fix things in their own strength whenever a storm breaks out in their lives. And as a result, they get beaten up time and time again, the enemy robs from them, and they lose their confidence to do great things for God. And that is all because we've been trained our whole lives to operate according to the flesh and to question and doubt the promises of God. But friend, I got some good news for you today. 
I got some good news. Let's not allow that miserable situation to rule us. The good news, friend, is that you can be retrained. Amen? The good news is that you can be retrained. You can be retrained by the Word of God and the power of the Spirit so that you respond, not in fear, but in faith. So that you respond in faith automatically, that your default position is not to fall to pieces, but to stand firm in what you believe. That no matter what happens, no matter what's coming down the line, your initial response is not to freak out and cast off your faith. It's not to despair and try and fix everything yourself. It's not to collapse in a heap and quit. No, as you put these principles that I've been sharing on Victory Today into practice, as you renew your mind to the truth of the word, as you yield daily to the spirit and not to fear, as you keep your flesh under control, under the leadership of your spirit, When a storm hits your life, instead of freaking out, your automatic response is going to be, I believe God, I'm going to declare his word, I'm going to take authority over that thing, silence it in the name of Jesus and expect a miracle turnaround to happen. Friend, I am believing that for you. I'm declaring that over your life today. I know that that can be your reality, so come on. Why don't you decide with me today that we are going to be doers of the Word of God. We're going to be led by the Spirit of God and not be moved by our feelings and by what it looks like and what someone says. No, we're going to do the Word of God, act on it, believe it, be led by the Spirit of God. And if God says we are entitled to it, we're going to believe that too. We're going to receive it into our lives and we're not going to let go of that promise until we see it manifest in Jesus' name. I tell you, I am preaching myself happy, but you got other places to be, other things to do. So I want to encourage you. If this message has helped you, blessed you today, share it with someone else. As I said at the start, use this as a tool to be an encouragement to someone else. Go check out our website at newboldministries.com. We would love to have your prayers and support in all God has called us to do to help share this message of life transformation with people and you go out and have an awesome day in the victory that is yours. God bless.